Welcome to the podcast where relationships, confidence, and determination all converge into an amazing heartfelt experience. This is Speaking from the Heart. Welcome back to episode number 54 of Speaking from the Heart. And we are again recognizing Toastmasters in the month of November and which have made a significant contribution to society as a whole. And if it wasn't for Toastmasters, I would certainly not be here as your podcast host. I will leave a link in the episode notes in case you want to check out a local Toastmasters club in which it will help you develop your communication and leadership skills to define your voice of tomorrow. Today we have Len Tran, and he's the founder of Kinetic Mind LLC, which is a coaching and training company helping individuals increasing their productivity results. His clients have included athletes, young adults, and emerging leaders. Before he devoted time to Kinetic Mind, he graduated from the City College of New York with a degree in chemical engineering. After working as a process engineer for several years, he transitioned to work with the Patent and Trademark Office in Washington, D.C., which he has worked there for more than 20 years. He's currently a supervisor there, and he's been in that role for the last 15 years. In addition, he's been practicing martial arts for 35 years and has trained around the world. He's not only traveled the United States to provide both seminars and martial arts training, but he is the author of the book, Split Up by the Sea, a Vietnamese refugee's memoir of survivor and hope, which we talk about a lot in this episode. He also has a second book, which has released this past summer, called Break the Bricks, Breakthrough to Find the Real You. I have never met anybody that has such an incredible backstory as Len, especially when he opened up about when he escaped from a communist country, which I will let that describe in itself, the awesome power of not only determination, but forming the confidence in the relationships, especially at a young age, become who he is today. And I have known Len for several years as a result of my Toastmasters experiences, And I can certainly say that he definitely has improved himself in just a short time because of all the things that he's been able to do, not only from the outside, but from the inside. And with that, let's go to the episode. All right, we're here with Len Tran. Len, thanks for sharing your heart with us today. Hey, good evening, Josh. Nice to meet up with you, and I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to it as well, Len, and I appreciate you taking some time because I have just been following you the last few years. Full disclosure for my audience, I've known Len for a few years because of a Toastmasters club I belong to virtually on my part, but they meet in person as well in the Ashburn, Virginia area. And I have been following him along, and it's been amazing to see your journey. So really excited for you to be here. Len, my first question is this. You have even written a book about this, and I know I'm going right into it right away, but I think it's really important. I didn't realize that you had this upbringing in Vietnam and which then brought you over here to America. And I'm wondering if you just can tell a little bit of that story, knowing that we really want people to buy your book, which I want you to reference, but I really would be curious, especially my listeners would be, about how that all came to be. Yeah, and thank you very much for asking about my book. In 2019, it was never my intention to write a book. My background is engineering and I always figured that, hey, you know what? If I study engineering, all I have to do is stay in the back and do my 
formulas, solve my equations, and I don't have to speak to anyone because I am an introvert. But in 2019, life always throw you something interesting, right? I am a supervisor and I have approximately 60 employees under me. And so I was sitting one day trying to write something motivational for my employees. And as I was typing it up, I kept on referring back to when my dad and I in 1982 got on that small fishing boat with 23 other people trying to escape communism in Vietnam. Probably have heard in 1975 when we lost our country, the communists took over and you got hundreds of thousands, probably almost a million of Vietnamese boat people like myself. And I keep on referencing back to it. And so when I got to chapter three of the workbook that I wanted to write for my employees, I figured, you know what? Instead of writing a motivational book, why don't I just write a memoir about my life on how I struggle and got through those 21 days in, in the middle of the ocean? Because we could have died. I mean, my dad was telling me that we're going to find freedom, but really we couldn't tell if either we are going to find freedom or that we are going to find death. When I share that story, I was like, wait, I do have more stories to share. And that is after we found freedom, which is America, we had to adapt to a new culture. And when you live in the South Bronx in 1982, it's really not the freedom that you think it of, but it's way better than Vietnam. And for a decade living in the South Bronx, I had to overcome a lot of struggles and there were point that I was thinking suicidal because of putting up with bullies and all that. And that's the reason why I decided to write that book. And I was so glad that it took me three years to finally finish. And it was out back in October of 2022. Wow. I am really impressed that you have just overcome those sort of circumstances being young to be where you are now. Were your parents a big influence, especially when it came to just being able to adapt to America? Can you tell us a little bit about your parents and that relationship? Yeah. So in 1982, while I was playing in the front yard, we were living in Vietnam in the countryside and we were poor. We were poor to the point that I have never tasted meat in my entire life. Pork and beef, I have never tasted. The only meat that I've eaten was just shellfish. And for vegetables, we were eating cactus. One day when my dad took me by the hand and said, hey, Lam, you want to go see your uncle in the city? I was like, you know what? Yeah, yeah, let's go see my uncle. Because I mean, there's nothing in the countryside for, for me to do besides always out at the garden, plowing the land and stuff like that. And so I was excited to go with him. And so suddenly he took me to a friend's house and he said, oh, we're going to eat and sleep here and then we're going to go in the morning. And that morning when I woke up, someone was carrying me on his shoulder, ran across the beach, threw me into the boat and I was screaming for my dad and he covered my mouth and he said, shut up, you're going to get us killed. I was like, what the heck is going on? And I was about to jump off the boat until I saw my dad and he said, no, Len, just stay there. And so when my dad jumped into the boat, I looked at him, I said, dad, where are we going? And he didn't even respond until we got to the middle of the ocean. That's when he said, we are going to find freedom. Now, at that time, it was only me and my dad. Both of us left behind 
my mom and four siblings and the fifth one, my mom was pregnant with her. And so when you ask my parents, it's actually only my dad. I didn't see my mom until 10 years later. So when we finally got rescued after 21 days at sea, we were brought to the Hong Kong refugee camps for three months. And then after that, they sent us to the Philippines refugee camps for another five months where I had to learn English before they can bring us to America. And so when I was brought to the South Bronx with dad, my father is pretty much my role model. I, I mean, at that point, neither of us was speaking English. I was eight years old or almost eight years old. My dad was 32. And he said something that stuck with me for a long time. And I believe that's the reason why he had been such an influence in my life. He said, you know what? America has brought us here. There's no reason why we should be based on the financial assistance that they give us. I have two hands and two legs. I can go find work myself. And so he decided to work at a pizza store, washing dishes, pots and pans, while going to school to get his GED. He didn't mind sitting in the classroom with 19, 20-year-old students. He's almost double their age. But his philosophy was, I came here for a reason and I must uh, accomplish that goal. And that is to have an education so that we can better our lives. And so he's been such a role model. First off, I don't think I had any idea when I asked that question, how much of a story that was in itself. And secondly, I should say, I love the fact that your dad is somebody that you look up to. And I'm sorry that you were separated, but at least you were able to reunite through all those different trials and tribulations, which kind of leads me into my next question, because I noticed that you've been doing karate for over 25 years. And I'm wondering if that has had an influence on your life, because you mentioned earlier about the bullying and yeah. kind of feeling suicidal. I'm wondering, has that brought focus in your life? Has that helped you to stabilize the different things that might've been happening around that time? Yeah, so when we came to the South Bronx, I was eight going to my third grade. I'm almost nine years old and kids back then were very mean. And it doesn't matter what types of Asians you are. I'm Vietnamese, but when you walk the street, they always call you that you are Chinese. Bruce Lee made Chinese famous with all his movies and stuff. So every time when I walked in the street, it's like, look at that China boy, China boy. And I thought that would be it. But they'll come to you and they want to test you. They'll smack in the head, they'll punch in the face. So you know what? For me, I'm okay when it comes to verbal abuse because honestly, I don't understand what they were saying anyway. They were saying some stuff in Chinese. I still remember today. They say, hey, Ching Chong Makaya. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? But you know what? I kept on walking until the very first hit that I got, I was saying, wow, why are these kids hitting me? I mean, this doesn't happen in Vietnam. And I got home and I told dad, I was like, dad, these kids in the neighborhood, they punching me, dad. And I mean, maybe my dad was very busy at that time. Maybe his focus was to change our lives. And instead of saying, okay, you know what? Let me go talk to their parents. And, and, and I mean, you know what? Let's say if he did go talk to the parents, they probably don't understand because our English was just so limited. The thing that he told me was just ignore them and keep on going. And I was like, yeah, dad, but I just got hit. I did ignore them. And for an entire year, I had to put up with that. A nine-year-old boy getting punched by other nine-year-old boy 
or by even teenagers who were just constantly punching and kicking me. Until one day I met a, a friend of mine and he said, hey, look, there's this Vietnamese guy and he's teaching karate and it's free. And I was like, oh my goodness, I need to learn karate. I need to be like Bruce Lee so I can defend myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so he and I, along with other Vietnamese kids in that neighborhood, we would walk early in the morning on a Saturday morning from our apartment all the way to Botanical Garden, which is like a 30 minutes walk. And we would learn martial art. And the very first thing I told the teacher, I said, I want to learn some karate because I want to beat up those kids. You know what? He pulled all of us aside and he said, you know, if your intention is to fight with them, I'm not going to teach you karate. And he was like, what? What are you talking about? If you practice karate not to fight, then what's the point? And he looked at us, he said, I'm teaching you karate so that I can teach you discipline and learn how to walk away. And we're like, no, 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 no. This is not what we want. You don't understand. We get hit every single day. We need to learn how to punch them again or punch them back. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand my first teacher who we call sensei's wisdom until a friend of mine who introduced me to him died. And the reason why he died was because that was his mentality. His mentality, because he also got physically abused so bad that he said, you know what? I want to punch these guys back. And so at that time, he was you know, yeah, at nine, 10 years old. He hang out with bad people. And so he got killed by a gang. And that's when I understood what Sensei was trying to tell us is, when we look for revenge, most likely one of us is going to die. And the point of learning martial art is not to revenge, but the point of learning martial art is that we can have discipline so that we can do bigger and better things with our lives. And through the process of achieving our goals is to have the discipline to overcome obstacles. And I finally got it. And so nowadays, when I teach my students, that's what I tell them. I say, we don't teach karate so that we can punch and kick back because essentially what we're doing in the class, we are punching and kicking the air. And by kick punching and kicking the air, we are practicing discipline that, hey, while it might be boring, but yet it's something that we continuously do so that we can condition our mind that how boring it is, we got to keep on going in order for us to achieve our goal. Yeah. And first off, I want to make a correction. I said 25 years. I meant to say 35 years. I just <laughs> realized right. I said that wrong. <laughs> and I want to give you more credit than credit's due there because... That means that for more than half your life, Len, that you have been practicing that discipline and been even teaching other people that, which yes. for many people, especially in today's society, having that discipline to say, yeah, I have these skills, but I'm not trained to use them because it's really about learning how to have that inner focus, to have that discipline to say, I'm better than having to use that. I can walk away from this. And I feel that message is so desperately needed in many facets of America today, because oftentimes we hear people say, well, I need to get my point across and I need to yell so loud that everybody understands. And I feel like I got to fight them no matter what. And it's like, no, you don't have to be right all the time. You don't have to do that. And I really appreciate your perspective on that and how that's kind of molded you to the person that you are. And I might have to thank your father and even your mother, too, if your siblings probably have a big influence on that. But those kids that bullied you, I so relate to that because of 
the upbringing that I've had, I remember having to have to walk away too from kids that just made fun of my weight. They made fun of who I was because I was very clumsy with my social skills, which I still struggle with even to today, but I'm still working on that overall. And to that effect, you've been working on yourself. I mean, you have been in chemical engineering. You have worked now with the Patent Trademark Office. I had another guest by the name of Ivana Miranda mm, on the yeah. show that we've talked about her experiences being part of that office. What would you say has been, in that professional realm, really important for you to instill in employees? You have talked about working with children and teaching them discipline through karate. Mm. I'm wondering what you've been able to teach your employees as a result of your experiences, or at least mentor them as a whole with those experiences. Can you share maybe a story or two of some influences from people that you have worked with over the years in those aspects? Yeah, certainly. And it's rather funny when I graduated as a chemical engineer and I always wanted to work in a wastewater treatment plant. And it was in New York City where I graduated. And so when I worked at the wastewater treatment plant for a couple of years and I was like, oh my goodness, is this exactly what I went to school for? I love what I do. The only thing that I did not like was I have to deal with the wastewater I smell every single day. And so I got to the point where, you know what, I think I am ready for working for the pan office and looking at inventions and looking at papers instead. So I flew from New York City all the way to Virginia and applied for the job. I got the interview and I made that transition, which was the greatest thing. Well, besides that, I found my wife in Virginia as well, but my life just changed transitioning from the city here to Virginia. And I thought, you know, this is it. I thought this is the job that I actually liked until six months into the job as a patent examiner, it was rather daunting, right? So if Ivana and I worked in different sectors, so she's more over, I believe in the human resource, I'm more in the engineering side. And so this is the only agency that has a quota. So if you don't meet quota on a biweekly basis, your chance of being let go is pretty high. And so when I joined the office in July, 2000, during that time, the turnover rate was pretty high. And I was like, oh my goodness, I can't afford to lose this job. And I don't want to go back to New York City. And so I was working pretty hard to the point that I was like, wow, is this the career that I wanted? But then again, I dedicated all that back to my martial arts upbringing that I was like, you know what? If you want to accomplish big things, you got to be ready to do the little things. Mm. And that's what I did. The little things was basically throwing in the extra hours. So while my friends were partying, I was still at work trying to finish up what I have to finish. And so when I became a manager seven years later, that's what I do in my leadership role is to show my employees that if you want to see reward, don't shy away from doing the little things. I know people want to do shortcut, but that's not life. Life is not about doing shortcuts because when you're taking shortcut, you are losing the essence of what you can learn by doing every single steps. Because my philosophy is that the more obstacles you face, the more experience you have. 
So don't take shortcuts. I mean, yeah, it's nice to say, hey, I'm going from A to Z, just like that, like Flashman. But feel it, feel the B, C, D, Z, F, G, H, I, all the way to Z. Because every obstacles that you face, it's a story that you tell and it's a story that you share and it builds character, basically. And you have nothing short but understanding those obstacles and being able to work hard to get to that point, Len. And you have already talked about those so far, which definitely resonate with me, being that we're both coaches in some aspect, which we'll get into in just a moment, because I have even had that experience with some of my own clients just saying to them, look, you can do this the easy way, but I'd rather that you do it the hard way because it gives you some opportunity to reflect on that journey that it takes you to get there. And doing it easy doesn't mean that it necessarily translates into you being successful or having that lesson that you can carry on and learn from others. Exactly. I'm curious because, as you know, we are featuring Toastmasters this month in terms of their achievements and how they got to where they're at. Do you feel that Toastmasters helped you prepare for these aspects of being a coach, being a mentor, being a confident speaker, which I know that you are doing as well? Do you think that those all influenced you as well to help you be better with what you provide, but also what you have done too? So you've been able to enhance some of those things that you still currently do to this day. I can honestly say that my life didn't really change until I joined Toastmaster in 2019. The first day that I decided to join Toastmaster was that, you know what, let me try to overcome shyness. Even though I'm confident as a person to achieve goals, but at the same time, in front of a large setting, I'm a little bit reserved. I'm shy. I always thinking in my head that, hey, these people are willing to hear about my stories. But Toastmaster International allows me to talk about my life stories, right? With those five to seven minute speeches that the audience has nowhere to go, but just listen to you. The first or second speech was pretty tough because I thought, oh, how the audience is going to perceive this. But when I got to the third and the fourth, I said, you know what? This is pretty good because I was getting feedback from the audience saying that we like your story. And I would credit that to Toastmaster International because of that. That's the reason why also it sparked me to write my book as well. Because here I'm sharing my stories every five to seven minutes speeches. And when you have 10 of those already, you figure, okay, you know what? It might as well start putting in the chapters. And so it has changed me. And likewise, as an audience myself listening to other speakers and you hear what they go through as well. And it makes me become a better listener that I can say, you know what? That's what you do as a coach. You have to be a good listener in order for you to provide feedback. And so ever since I joined Toastmaster in 2019, it just nothing but great things to say about them. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that because for me, I have had many authors on the podcast. They've talked about, well, this is how I got started. It was because of this or because of that. Well, here you have the content and you're literally speaking it out loud at Toastmaster meetings for those five to seven minutes that are so pivotal because it's made you feel like you are a million dollars getting that feedback because it's like, 
oh, yeah, you can work on this. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be good for the book. Let me just write that down and get a good transition. I love that. And yeah. it, for my author friends, if you are on the fence, this is a great example Len just shared of how you can work that technique to help yourself get to point A to point Z, because we know we need to get to point Z. It's not about just point B. Yeah. But Len, I want to talk in the last few minutes about your business, Kinetic Mind LLC, because you are essentially pulling all these things, which I know we only scratched the surface, but you've shared so much insight as to how this business essentially came to be because of all those experiences. So although you have kind of talked about it, I want to hear more directly, why start a business from it? I mean, you've already done so much. You've been a karate instructor. You still do that and travel the world. You do all kinds of things in the chemical industry because of the patent office and being able to help other people that way. Why a business on top of it all is really the question. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, I've been with the Pan office for what is going to be 23 years for me. And wow. Congratulations. Wonderful. Thank you. So when I told my wife, I said, you know what? I want to start my business and I call it Kinetic Mind. My goal is to help people. And the reason why I came up with Kinetic Mind is because, okay, the mind, kinetic, moving. And isn't that essentially what happens with all of us? It's because our mind is constantly moving and moving and we just don't stay focused. It's like, we call it the squirrel syndrome, the squirrel light syndrome, whatever you see, you go after, but it doesn't work that way. You gotta do one thing at a time because when you have too many things on your plate, you just don't know which one is your priority. When I established Kinetic Mind, my goal is to teach people to destroy distractions and focus on the successful actions so that they can achieve their goal faster. And a lot of my concept actually, again, goes back to my martial art. Like in martial art, when we stand and punch, we call standing in a horse stance. So a horse stance is two legs spread out. It's like you're sitting on a horse because it teaches you balance. So when you can have your mind balanced is when you understand what to do, how to take the next step. But when you don't have balance, and that's the problem. When you don't have balance, you just don't know which side to go first. Because if you go to this side, the other side can be off balance. You're going to fall, vice versa, right? But once you have balance already, you know how to balance yourself in order for you to keep on moving forward as long as you keep on that balance. Balance, I think, is really something that can be tedious in nature, especially if you have so much going on. I've had life coaching clients myself that have to work through those different obstacles themselves. And to get to that other side essentially means facing some of the past things that have thrown that person or that situation out of balance and making it so that they can move forward. And I love that analogy because I have made it even in past episodes about having that balance beam, walking mm -hmm. across it. Sometimes life makes us do that because it narrows down into what that path is. When we get to the other side, though, there's a vast opportunity on the other side in, on itself. Yeah. And I kind of think about the fact that you had that when you lived in Vietnam and then your dad and you came over to America where it might have been narrow because of communism, but right. expanded over to America with having freedom and opportunity. Yeah. Len, one last question for you before I give you the last few minutes. I really am curious, why you? If I were to hire you, why would I want to do that? Especially if I would want you for a speaking event or things of that nature. Because 
let's face it, there are millions of people with unique stories. And some of them might share that same story as you. But what defines you and who you are to what you want to tell your audience? And the audience could be the audience that's listening to this right now or even people down the road. What do you think people should hear from you as to the why? I was given a second chance in life. I could have died with my dad in 1982 on that boat. But because I was given a second chance in life, I don't take life for granted. If today, if I were to lose every single thing that I have, my house, my car, and everything, and have zero dollars left, maybe a dollar left, I can build from one dollar back all the way to a million dollar again. Why am I confident? Because I have a system that I call RISE. Actually, it's a system that I did a talk on TEDx. We fear because our plan is not clear. If you have a plan in life, you don't fear about anything. With my RISE system, the R stands for recognize, the I is to initialize, the S is to strategize, and the E is to energize. And I wish I have another 30 minutes where I can expound on that. And I know we're running out of the clock, but who knows? Maybe we're going to talk about it in the next episode. But I believe that if we have a formula, we can thrive. We can do anything that we want. And with my background, with how I overcome adversity. Now, living in the South Bronx in 1982 was tough. Not having your mom around was tough. Your dad has to go to work every single day while you learn how to cook at the age of eight was tough. Being beat up and learning how to stand back up and not having to go after the bullies, but instead I went after my dreams. I don't want to be bothered to go after bullies. I went after my dreams. That was tough. And I did them all. And I got all of that recipe in my new book. With that, I am going to give you the last few minutes, but I want to say to what you just said, the RISE method essentially is allowing us to realize that opportunity that it doesn't matter where we are in our lives, we can take it to that next level for sure. Len, I definitely would love to have you back. We're almost out of time with that said, because I would love to explore more of those concepts with you in a future episode. But for now, I want to give you the last few minutes. How can people reach out to you? How can they get in touch with your business? How can they book you as a speaker? Maybe even be a coach for some people out there that are looking because they're inspired by your story. I'm going to give you the last few minutes. Let us know how we can do that. And please tell us about the newer book that came out in the last few months as well. Yeah. And thank you very much. That's going to go back to initially when, when we first talked about my first book. My intention was to write a motivational book. And so I decided for the last few months, I was like, yeah, you know what? Let's finish up that first intention that I started out with. And so the new book, the title is Break the Bricks. And uh, our subtitle is Breakthrough in Order to Find the Real You. And the, the, the book is about the RISE system on how you can implement this system in order to find your true potential. And that's the thing, right? All of us has that wall. We just put that wall in front of us. But that wall is actually an illusion. That's the wall that you built in your head. And I'm going to show you how to break down that wall in order to find the real you on the other side. And yes, people can reach me on my website. That is lenvtran.com. 
And I have my YouTube channel as well. You can do a, a Len Tran karate or Len Tran motivational speaker and my YouTube channel should pop up. But yes, my website is the best place to find me. And please send me an email. We can do speaking, we can do coaching, or you can find some motivational videos that I posted on my YouTube website. Awesome, Len. And I'll put all that in the episode notes in case you want to check that out and access that more easily. But Len, I want to close by saying this is that I don't think I realize your true story about how you got to be here. And knowing that I've only known you for a few years in Bushmasters, I far supersede you in terms of the number of years. I have 11 under my belt, but that doesn't mean anything because we can have quantity, but it's really about quality. And I think you've demonstrated that quality comes from that hard work, that determination to have relationships with other people and to gain confidence through it all, which is some of my values of my own business, your speaking voice, which I teach people about as well, to make sure that they know that they have a place. And you definitely have a place. Thank God you made it through Hong Kong and through the Philippines to get here because I've been blessed to have you be a great role model for myself and what I can aspire to be in my own life. And I know from my listeners, they would say the same for your remarkable story. And I encourage everyone to pick up Len's books, especially as that can help you get to that next stage of your life as well. But Len, thanks for being on Speaking from the Heart. I would love to have you back sometime in the future, but it's been a privilege talking to you today. Thank you very much, Josh. And once again, thank you for letting me share my story with you and your listeners. I want to thank Len again for being part of the show and really sharing an incredible story of not only escaping from where he was at with his father, but also getting to the other side and just realizing the true strength that comes from within us. If we're just willing to change our mind and put it into motion, all the different types of things that we can have in our life, if we're just willing to shift that mindset. This is not the first guest that has ever talked about this on our show because that has been a recurring theme. But what I have learned from Len as a result of this experience is that we can find freedom or we can find death. And that really is masked in what we like to say are blessings. And I know that seems a little cryptic, and it also seems very morbid in a sense, because you have to think about the fact that for many people, trying to go through life like this is certainly a difficult struggle, and trying to overcome some of those things that have been struggles in our lives can often be a debilitating exercise of really focusing on not just the negatives so that we can get over them, but to understand the root of that so that we can get to the other side. But how can we struggle so much that we have to then realize that hidden potential inside of ourselves? Why can't we just find it right away? And I think that Len's story really shows that it takes some moral discipline, but also mental focus. And I really appreciate his martial arts training more than anything else because it really has provided him those sort of aspects. It's allowed him to really train to be disciplined. And to realize that when you are using those sort of skills, it's not because you're the aggressor. You are being aggressed upon, and you need to be able to take action in a way in which it defends you from all those different things. But that's the thing, is that we need to transition sometimes in order to not be on the attack, 
but to just be able to defend and move away from whatever that is that's causing us that pain, that suffering, and that guilt. It's really about rewiring all the things in which we have in our lives, in which we can create some of the best versions of ourselves, but more importantly, understanding the little things that are bothering us so that we can tackle some of the big things. I can certainly relate to that last part more than anything else because I always focused on the small things. On numerous episodes, I have talked about the perseverance that I've had to go through when it comes to not only dealing with the different types of people in my life, that I've really had to address a lot of those different things in my life in which people essentially are the things that I was working towards to create value, quote-unquote. Now, you might be asking yourself, really? You're going to put all your trust into one or two people that you're really depending upon in order to create some of the best things in your life, Josh? That seems a little stupid. And yes, I was stupid. For over 30 years of my life, just as long as Len has been doing martial arts training all across the world, I didn't have those abilities to really be influenced by not only the individuals that can create some of those aspects, those ideas in our life that help us to understand what's truly important, but I didn't really have the ability to understand how to move forward from that. And I wish that I would have had somebody that would have took the time early on to help me not only guide me in the right direction, but to help me understand why I thought that way. But that's all in good time. Because even with all those struggles that I had in my life, I think that really what comes down to it is how we rise. And Len talked a little bit about the rise method even in this episode, helping us to move from that next point so that we can have the balance, not only to overcome what those aspects are in our life, but to be able to move forward in such a way that helps us to understand how to create some of the best things that are yet to come. And it's really about moving forward. It's not just about looking at the past. I would say no matter what, those are some of the things that we need to be looking at, especially as we are reflecting on what ways we can move forward from that. It means being a good listener. One of the many things that we've had in this podcast is talking about the active listening concept and being able to give motion where we need to necessarily remove the distractions that are in our lives. We have to understand that it creates stories. It creates opportunities for us to reflect on what has happened in our lives, especially Len's story, even being teased as a kid, and even being bullied of his background, being called China Boy. Now, today, if I would call somebody that, I know for a fact that there will be a rave of different comments. There will be some racially charged comments in return for that. But as one previous guest has even put it, It's about removing the hate. It's about removing yourself from the possibility that those sort of things that kind of create some of those best values for ourselves might need to take some time to reflect on why we thought those were best values to begin with and to help ourselves move forward in order to understand that thinking was wrong. And that's exactly what some people have to do, especially when it comes to coaching, to help us understand the bigger worldview. In other words, by helping us to understand what we said or did was wrong, we can be able to move forward. 
That is why Lens Company Kinetic Minds is so important because it's helping emerging leaders. It's helping the children to understand at a young age the importance of not doing so many different things incorrectly. We need mentorship. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how experienced you are too. But it means being able to understand that you might need to ask for help. And asking for help is always something that we can always do. But it goes way beyond that. It means that we have to understand that it's the motivations that create who we are. It's the motivations in which we do the things that we do in order to not only be the best versions of ourselves, but to become a higher power in itself. It doesn't mean that you are overlord of the earth. It doesn't mean that you are the absolute capitalistic, greedy butthead that you could be. But it does mean that you have to understand and go to the roots of really why something exists for the way it does. We can ignore it. We can continue to ignore some of the things that are happening in our lives and even happening in our culture for that matter. But is that really helping us to become something of a higher power? Is it helping us to understand how to become that best version if we're learning to walk away and ignore it every single time? It's one thing to ignore it when it comes to enacting violence, which can be a human trait in itself because we're always prone to that because of our instincts. Wanting to defend ourselves means that we throw up our fists, throw a kick in the air, or even have something that we do that we ultimately regret. But it isn't about that. I think that we should not use violence, but we should use our words. And using our words also means not using negative words to be able to communicate what some of those things are. The main essence of your speaking voice, the business that I started, is not to necessarily learn how to communicate, which many people might think that's the case, but not true. It actually is to help people understand that we can use our voice, quote-unquote, the verbal and nonverbal, in a lot of different ways in which we might have never thought possible. Because here, especially in the United States, this is a land of opportunity if we want to believe that. There are many countries, especially where some of my listeners are coming from, that don't have the overall full rights of protections like the United States has. That's not to say that their country is worse than ours, because the United States has something even going on in itself too that needs some help, some TLC, tender loving care. That doesn't mean that we give up. It doesn't mean that we just struggle. It doesn't mean that we just continue to just ignore it and walk away. We have to be disciplined to not only overcome those obstacles, but we have to find balance. That's the only way that we are able to move forward. And it's okay to have a second chance. Second chances do not mean that you are a failure the first time. It means that you're understanding and learning and growing. And you're being able to understand not just who you are as a person, but how you interact with the bigger picture. Even if you are split up by sea, even if you are lost, even if you have a part of yourself that you are later reunited with, know this. It doesn't matter where you come from or who you are deep inside. 
You can have the love and devotion of time that everyone deserves. That includes even being mentored in the right way. And as long as you keep that mindset, and as long as you actively try to create that mindset, no matter where you're at, you are going to be successful, not only for the rest of your life, but even with the relationships, the confidence, and the determination to become who you really can be. Thanks again for listening to episode number 54 of Speaking from the Heart. And I look forward to hearing from your heart very soon. Thanks for listening. For more information about our podcast and future shows, search for Speaking from the Heart to subscribe and be notified wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit us at www.yourspeakingvoice.biz for more information about potential services that can help you create the best version of yourself. See you next time.